Welcome to another edition of the Star Tribune's Talking Preps Post Prep Bowl edition, or should I say, the uh, pre-winter sports season where hockey has already kicked off and basketball is doing the same. So, uh, lots to talk about, David. I'm Jim Paulson with David Levake. Um, like I said, we can talk a little uh, prep bowl action, what we saw, what we witnessed, what we liked, uh, and we can get into the, uh, I'd say, let's look at the hockey season right off the bat and see where we are with the uh, the winter sports season. Um, Dave, prep bowl, your thoughts overall, any 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 impressions on what you saw in the prep bowl? Um, I have a general impression. I'll save for a little bit, but just kind of going not quite game by game because I, I don't see all the games. We don't see all the games. You were close. I mean, you, you were you're pretty well, you were a fixture of the, uh, of the prep bowl uh, this year. Uh, you brought, you saw every single game Friday, all four of those games, you covered three of them. And then you had, you covered the final game on Saturday, but I think you were there for the middle game too, if I'm not mistaken. I got to the end of the, uh, at the first game, the, uh, the nine man championship as well. So yeah, I saw most of the games. Yeah, you were a fixture. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, things like, I mean, you you covered it more closely, but you know, Chatfield finding a way to win, I thought was great. Uh, Mayor Lutheran making some history with the first state championship in one A. Uh, Lakeville South did the same thing, winning their first championship in six A. And Hutchinson rolled. Uh, it was just a lot of cool things that that you saw, game by game. You know, Dasso Cocado, another one making history. Uh, Leroy Ostrander. I, I just, and then you know the dominance of Mankato West. I mean, all all of it is 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 cool, and and uh, I, you know, it was it was it was a good two day showcase of games. I thought. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of things that stood out. You know, you talked about Leroy Ostrander and uh, Nine Man, um, their quarterback Chase Johnson, five six, hundred and seventy pounds, unstoppable kid. I think when he had four hundred and twelve total yards in uh, in that game, two hundred and seventy five rushing. For a kid that's five foot six, who says there's not a spot in football for the little guy? He was tremendous for Leroy Ostrander. <clears throat> Excuse me, I thought um, Class 1A, two of the most, the, the best plays in the entire tournament I saw were in the Class 1A final, Mayor Luther and Miniota. In the Miniota game, uh, Jonah Grunis, the end of the first half, um, took a short pass and basically carried uh, two teams on his back into the end zone for about an extra 10 yards um, for a touchdown, send Miniota. Uh, up by a point at halftime. And then the second half, Cole Neitzel of Mayor Lutheran did practically the same thing. Didn't carry him quite so far, but about six yards and uh, carried the pile on his back into the end zone for Mayor Lutheran. So it shows that Mayor Lutheran, which had a reputation as a uh, kind of a finesse team, was uh, uh, able to stay with you, a, a big physical team like Miniota, toe-to-toe, and they won that game. So uh, two great plays. And um, we talked about Chatfield in two-way. Uh, winning a game by by one point felt bad for West Central. They had two one point games in the Metrodome: a semifinal victory, they won eight to seven, and then a one point loss to Chatfield in the uh, in the championships. Three A Dasso Cocado is the uh, stay with your plan team. They uh, <laughs> didn't bother to step outside their uh, uh, oh. comfort zone, even though that uh, there might have been easier yards to gain. They kept running that same. Uh, uh, offense, straightforward offense, and it paid off in two vi- in, in two victories. They weren't dominant in either one, but they showed why they're the number one team in Class 3A. 4A, Hutchinson, the single best unit in the entire prep bowl, the Hutchinson offensive line. I think Hutchinson rushed for uh, 1,126 yards in three state tournament games. Um, that says an awful lot about what that offense can do. And these are state tournament games. These are against nobody. So congratulations to Hutchinson. 
um, Mankato West and Lakeville South. <clears throat> Excuse me, two teams that finished off undefeated seasons, but wasn't easy for either of them. They both went up against opponents that really uh, made it difficult for them, um, particularly at Lakeville South when uh, Maple Grove was went toe to toe with them, and uh, they uh, showed that uh, uh, Maple Grove deserved to be there, uh, but. Lakeville South finished it off, undefeated, number one team in 6A. Same with Mankato West, undefeated, number one team in 5A. Two teams both deserving of their state championship. So an awful lot to reminisce on. Well, and you gave a shout-out to the Leroy Ostrander quarterback, well-deserved. I, I got to give one uh, to, to a quarterback that wasn't able to quite finish it with his team, and that was the Casson Manorville quarterback, Matt Donovan. He was he was great when they beat Becker in, in the semifinals, and, and he – he showed he, he had a spirited performance against Hutchinson. It wasn't enough, but he battled. He had a 30-yard touchdown run in that game, and and he start to think, well, maybe they'll do to Hutchinson what they did to Becker. Uh, so shout out to, to Matt Donovan. I thought he was great. And uh, you know, yeah. that's that's a good thing to talk about the, the players that were good on teams that didn't win. I I, I really think that's a that's a um, nice, that's something to recognize because these are very good players all season long. Yeah, and the other thing that stood out, I, I took my binoculars sometimes during games because, and I'll just sit and watch the line play. And these guys beat on each other. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, no secret that that line play is physical. But I, I, you'd watch them beat on each other and push each other out of the way, and and then all of a sudden there was a a slap on the hip or a slap on the back of the helmet. You know, like, hey, let's do it again. Good job. So there was this brotherhood within the line play that really stood out to me and, and really was, is the epitome of sportsmanship. I'm going to kick your ass as much as I can. And, and you're going to do the same to me while the play is going on and slap on the helmet, slap on the butt. Let's do it again. You know, that, that yeah. was impressive. I, I appreciate line play. I think it doesn't get enough appreciation. There should be a, a better stat line to appreciate offensive linemen and what they do. Um, it's not just about, flattening guys or pancaking guys or the the big beefy guys just knocking people over um what did uh ben burke at lakeville south say that they don't have a guy on their team that's even close to 300 pounds uh it's uh they, they run that uh power t offense which i must say is a lot is a lot more than just sleight of hand and faking uh it's about precision it's about moving quickly and getting to your spots and um Everybody operating as in unison. That's the important part about that power T offense. You've got, you know, uh, middle back running the dive. You've got uh, a halfback running a counter. You've got a quarterback who's faking one guy and, and handing the ball to another. And everybody has to hit their spots. And you can have a 230-pound, 220-pound lineman um, in Class 6A. All he has to do is wall a guy off or set a guy uh, up for a, a quick seam, and suddenly somebody's gone. So, yeah, it's uh, line play is so much more than just big guys pushing on each other. And I think that I wish there was a way to really recognize uh, how you could, uh, how these guys perform well. Again, like I said, Hutchinson's offensive line, just marveling at what they were able to do as a team, how they come off the ball, how fast they do it, how they never seem to make a mistake, how they engage their uh, uh, blockers, how they stay lower or their defensive linemen, how they stay lower than their guys, how, how easy it is for their running backs to get two or three yards before they're even touched when you're at Hutchinson. That must be a terrific, feeling to be a Hutchinson running back, knowing you got guys like that in front of you. You know, I wonder, it, you know, they say the NFL is a copycat league. I wonder if people will take another look at the power T and say, hmm, you know what? You just had Lakeville South do what they did. You have uh, Elk River doing what they do. Now, you do need talent. Not every power T, you can 
I, you could walk into your program tomorrow and say, okay, we're power to you. And that's great. Unless, if, but if you don't have a Carson Hansen, <laughs> it may not be quite the same uh, results. But I wonder, because as you said, you don't need to be overwhelmingly huge up front. Uh, you just need to be you know, precision, this and that. It can be, you know, Ben Burke calls it easy to teach and hard to stop. I wonder if more teams will go with that look. Yeah, I would, I've would. i wondered that myself. I mean, when you have a, a wide-open throwing offense, there are a couple things you really need. First of all, you need a quarterback that can throw. There's That's so simple, but you do need that. I've seen teams run that type of offense, and if the quarterback isn't good, it really hinders that sort of thing. You need guys that can catch. You need a line that can block. There's an awful lot of, of um, specifics and talent that needs to go into it and how you teach these things more than just uh, what you do in a running game. Um so I think that's why the running game is always so successful in Minnesota football. Not just the weather, it's because it's it's easier to teach and easier to uh, have success with. Um, I wonder if you're going to see, I've wondered why more teams don't do that power T, particularly if you don't have any real top-line talent at a quarterback or receiver or great speed, because it does allow you to account for things that you may not have at the, at the higher end of your uh, of your talent pool. So it, it I think you're going to see more and more and more of it as uh, um Seasons go on, but again, once you see more of it, then you're going to see uh, more teams figure out how to defend it, and uh, it's going to it's going to change into something else. But right now, it's the hot offense, at least at the high school level. Well, and and the, like you said, point counterpoint. If you talk to Matt Lombardi, now not everyone's a Matt Lombardi either. He's he really knows his way around putting a defense together. But he talked about look at the scores of the teams at Sea Lakeville South more often, and the discrepancy in the score gets less and less over time as you start to figure out what you need to do to try to counter what they're doing. And so it's, there are no foolproof offenses or defenses, and there's always that, that push and pull and, and that one upsmanship that goes on. But I, but I wonder if, if you'll also see, like I said, more defenses being able to look at what a Maple Grove is doing now with a, a remarkable collection of defenders. No offense to any of those guys, but but it's not like they're brimming with D1 guys. But but much like what you said about they got the D, the offense to to work in sync, and I think the Maple Grove defense did a lot of the same. And uh, and I wonder if if people that have to see Lakeville South more regularly will look at the Maple Grove film and say, hey, let's look at what they're doing and let's let's see what we can take and, and implement. So I'll just be very curious to see what the offseason homework is like for for various coaches out there. You know, that's one of the great things about football. That's the way football has always been. Somebody does one thing on offense, somebody on defense figures out a way to stop it, and somebody does something to counter that. That's the football's constantly been a game of counter uh, acting what the other team is doing, you know, making adjustments, and that's exactly what football is. So it'll be fun to see what the next offense is comes along that really, really blows people out of the water. I don't think you'll ever see a power T being um, the offense of the day, the offense du jour, because there is a, a level of, of uh, <laughs> lack of excitement for, I will say, for a lot of kids to play that offense. It's not as wide open as you'd like it to be. It can end up in a wide open offense. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, kids like to play the the, the, the deep ball, the, the throwing game, the, the running and getting into open spaces. Uh, there's even the quarterback at Lakeville South, Camden Dean, who said after the game that he wasn't thrilled about running that power tee when it was introduced to him. After winning a state championship, he's changed his tune. So, um It'll be interesting to see how much further that uh, this power T uh, uh, advances. And if there are coaches that are going to try to take it and tweak it a little bit so you can still play this and give it a little uh, bump here or an element there, that'll be fun to see. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but a good season, and, and thank God we were back in the prep bowl period. I mean, I, I I think whether you played in it, coached in it, whether you're a fan, whether you covered it, I think everyone was just so thrilled to have it back and and to see out the, the playoffs in a pretty normal way. It's, it's, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it for football. Other than one more point I wanted to, to make before we move on to hockey is um, shout out to uh, Minneapolis South football coach Rodney Lasso, who stepped down at the end of the season, just a a real, real ambassador for Minneapolis football and for Minneapolis sports in the city and just a, a terrific guy who really cared about his kids. He stepped down as a football coach. He was a uh, played at the University of Wisconsin and was a and was a coach at Roosevelt before he was at South. So I just wanted to, to call out and, uh, and uh, give kudos to Rodney Lasso at South, who is stepping down at the end of this year. And as uh, well, South hasn't been world beaters. He's uh, been a great football mind for uh, the Minneapolis City Conference. Very good, David. What do we got going on on the on the on the ice rinks these days? What's what's happening these days? Girls' hockey is already well underway. Boys' hockey is getting underway. Uh, what are we looking for? Yeah, we spotlighted the girls a couple weeks ago when we put out that season preview. We'll just focus on the boys today for those keeping score, those kinds of things. Um, well, it, it's it's been an already turbulent start to the year in a lot of ways because. Let's play hockey. The coaches poll, they had Maple Grove one and Creighton Durham Hall two. Um, but a lot of other outlets, and, and myself included, considered Creighton Durham Hall the best team coming back just because they uh, really didn't lose any players of consequence. And they're, they're really high octane offense. They've got a, a veteran goalie. So, you know, I thought of them as a the number one team. Well, St. <laughs> Thomas Academy already beat them. <laughs> so, so there goes that storyline. But no, I. That was a, that was again. We talked about the the return of the prep bowl. We also have the return of a, a robust non-conference season. We didn't have that last year in winter sports, if you recall. Even though, you know, for the metro area in particular, you're not all that far, you know, from Rosemount to Andover or something. But you couldn't play each other, you know, because they just they really wanted to mitigate travel between the two. So we didn't really get to see how the best played the best across the various conferences. We got to see that when St. Thomas and, and Creighton Durham Hall hooked up and, and St. Thomas won that game. And that's, it's, that's a, that sets the table nicely for what I'm going to guess is going to be a rematch in the section three playoffs in a few months. Um, so that was, that was a, 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 a interesting way to start the year. Um, Edina winning the Turkey trot championship. That's, you know, you don't often get to, to look at Edina as kind of a sleeper team, but coming off of last year when they were basically irrelevant, uh, that's what they are. And so you kind of looking at what they've got going and, and what they're going to do and, and build on. So they're, they're kind of an interesting storyline as well. Um, Prior Lake, I, I really thought it was important to recognize because they have not been to the state tournament. They haven't been to a section final in, I think, five or six years. But they have got a returning senior line uh, of, of studs, and they've got a couple other pieces as well that really have made them the favorite coming out of Section 2. And that's usually run by Eden Prairie or Minnetonka. And both of those teams look, by their standards, a lot more average than they've looked the last few years. And so between maybe them down and Prior Lake up, they're the Prior Lake's the fashionable pick to come out of Section 2 and, and make a little history. You know, one thing that I got to mention is that there's a, a real familiar name uh, on the bench 
um, at St. Thomas Academy. Uh, tell me about uh, about uh, who's back there right now. Is it not not the head coach, but uh, an associate head coach, I guess is what we'll call him. Mike Randolph is who you're going for. <laughs> I've heard of him. You've heard of you've, it's 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 reached basketball circles. That that's the sign of a coach that that's well known. No, uh, Mike Randolph, of course, longtime successful Duluth East coach. He resigned from the program in June, uh, admitted admit admit an investigation. And he ended up, he was thinking about sitting the year out and in his words, sulking in the basement, <laughs> but I think he made the right choice. Uh, he made the right choice and he opened, opened himself up to, to joining a different program. And he came down to the cities. He is the, as you said, the associate head coach at, at St. Thomas Academy. Uh, he, uh, he, I think three of his four kids live in the Metro. So he actually, uh, it wasn't that hard of a sell for his wife because the grandkids are around here. So, you know, that, that made that part of the sell easier. And, and uh, he, you know, he's a private school guy. It was, he played at old Duluth uh, uh, Cathedral before that became Duluth Marshall. So he, um, he's, he's, ba he's back, he did, you know, back, in, stayed in coaching. He didn't really go away yet, uh, but he's, he's back in the game and being elevated to associate head coach, Head coach Trent Eigner did that because his understanding when he looked into this is that team victories then go on to Randolph's career numbers. And he Randolph right now is only 48 wins behind the, the all-time record. And so he uh, Trent was like, yeah, well, let's do this because I'd love to be standing next to you when you set that record in a few years. So uh, Trent Eigner for uh, willing, being willing to uh, – share the spotlight and uh, and to uh, share the the wins that's a that's a pretty cool thing to do well yeah it is but i think there's also as much as it's nice in that regard for for mike uh let's face it he brings a lot of value he had very talented teams over the years that did well he had less talented teams that knocked out your number one, you know your best number one team in the section and he did it often and because his teams always knew how to play disciplined and how to, you know, play a defensive style and, and get it done and counterattack and score. Uh, they, they just very, you know, very tough playoff out. And, and to bring what went in, the, the ingredients that went into that, to, to bring that into St. Thomas, who was already starting to get close here under Eigner, I think, what, two years ago, weren't they just, they were in overtime in the semifinals. They could have been in the, you know, they scored first and they're in the state tournament championship game against Hill Murray. So they're already doing some good things with Eigner. And now you throw uh, Mike Randolph's experience and, and insights in. I, I think that makes St. Thomas a more dangerous team, regardless of how good uh, on paper they are year after year. And so that, that's that's a real asset to have. You know, the one thing, and, and I'm not a hockey mind, so I can sound like a real idiot by saying this, but I'm used to sounding like an idiot. So I'm going to say it anyway. Um one thing I've always thought about hockey is that, well, there's always been a, a large um, discrepancy in large between metro and outstate hockey, particularly up north. And northern teams tend to um, become darlings of the fans coming around state tournament time. The one thing about northern teams is that they play hockey with a joy and an aggression and a forward-thinking mindset um, that I've always enjoyed watching. That uh, uh, they don't worry about, you know you know, being too rigid in their structure that uh, while they have that and while Randolph is a great mind at that, there's something about being from a Northern team that you play 
hockey to play hockey. You play to win the game. You're not playing not to lose. You're not playing to play within your system. You're not trying to win a game three to one all the time. You're playing hockey, and there's a joy with which Northern teams seem to play and aggression with which those teams seem to play. Do you see see that as anything Randolph could bring down to St. Thomas Academy? Not saying that they couldn't play like that, but there's just a different feel that you get out of uh, teams up north than you do teams in the Metro. I think so. I think you, and then, you know, Duluth East, yeah, they're Northern, but they're also, they're, they're the Edina of, of their area. I mean, they, they, they're referred to as cake eaters up there, you know, much like Edina down here, but even with that, Mike got them to, you know, play an honest game, you know, game in and game out and, and work hard and, and everything else. So I believe, yeah, he could definitely have that effect on St. Thomas and, and you could see them, uh, really benefiting from that, particularly at playoff time, and they're going to need it because let's say they match up in the first uh, in the section final with with Creighton Durham Hall. Well, Creighton Durham Hall is skilled; they're not overly big. Uh, they're skilled and they're fast. Well, you can you can disassemble a team like that if you play really disciplined, sound hockey, and you're a little bit physical and you know how to counterattack. I mean, that, that if I'm if I'm treating their mom like that's the last guy I wanted on a coaching staff and for team I might need to get by to get to state because if Rand- Randolph can certainly bring those elements. Well, we're getting a little far uh, a little ahead of ourselves in talking about where we're going to be in the sections. Who do you see as being a sleeper team or two in boys hockey this year? Oh, sleepers! Uh, I I I don't know. I you know. Uh, you know, because a lot of the teams that I'll, I'm going to think of, about are teams with pedigree, but we just haven't heard from them recently. I think of Benilde St. Margaret. Uh, they, they could they could step up and they could uh, get something done. I'm, I'm curious to see who comes out of the kind of the south. You know, this this crosses over sections, but out of the south metro in general, uh, the, you know, the South Suburban Conference right now. You know, it, it's there's not a lot of teams that make you really stand up and say, wow. And so but. Someone's going to come out of there that's going to be tough. And, and who that is exactly, I, I guess, remains to be seen. Uh, same with the Northwest Suburban Conference. They'll, well, I, I shouldn't say that. We just got at the beginning of this podcast, we just said Maple Grove was number one in the in the uh, in the coaches poll. So, you know, they should be pretty good. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I believe whatever the top sleeper team is, I believe it comes out of South Suburban because there's not a lot to talk about right now with those teams. But someone's going to emerge and they're going to be a handful for somebody. That's what makes it uh, a great. Doesn't they say you, you? It's why you play the games to watch the season play out. Enjoy the season, a former Vikings coach uh, once said. So it's uh, it's it's something to be fun to watch. We've got uh, uh, a good three months of hockey uh, ahead of us. So uh, uh, if you're a hockey fan, now it's time to settle in and, and kind of watch what happens. It'll be a lot of a lot of fun. Um, girls hockey right now. Give them just a quick shout out. Who's the best team? Uh, I mean, I saw Andover beat. Uh... Uh, Minnetonka, uh, which everyone, you know, myself included, thought Minnetonka was a good team supplemented by a whole lot of transfers, including Andover kids, got beat by Andover. So, all right, there goes the undefeated super team narrative, but Minnetonka's still going to be good. But Andover knocked them off, and then they beat uh, uh, Andover beat Gentry Academy, who was the runner-up in single-A last year and is now playing up at double-A. They beat them. So those are two good uh, feathers to have under your cap right now for if you're Andover. And Edina's still making it happen. They lost a lot of uh, veteran scoring and a lot of well-known names, but uh, these kids playing behind are no slouches. They've got their college commitments and they're getting more ice time and more special teams opportunity and they're taking advantage of it. So Edina, Andover, Maple, or, uh, Minnetonka, 
those are all going to be right there at the end as we get into uh, as we go through the season and, and look into the playoffs. Yeah, you're looking at the rankings and some of the teams. Just you know, it's it's this. I don't want to say the same old, same old, but you do see a lot of the same names: Adana, Minnetonka, Andover. So uh, Stillwater's up there. Why is that? Is uh, looking good. Hill Murray once again was always be a team to watch. So, um, and 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 I'm talking about this like I have any idea of what I'm talking about. I'm just reading off a list, but uh, uh, I'm excited to, for the fall, so the winter sports season as we get underway here. Boys basketball. Girls basketball is about ready to really take off. We've got some really good girls basketball games coming up this week, including at Hopkins, they have a tip-off tournament, which you've got Chaska will meet Hopkins at Hopkins uh, in part of this tip, this uh, breakdown tip-off tournament on Saturday. Um, that's, if anybody remembers, that was the game in which Chaska upset Hopkins and ended their their uh, uh, national best winning streak um, in the state semifinals, went on to win the state championship. And before that, you've got a game I think I think it's Providence and Benilde, and two of the best girls, uh, youth girls uh, basketball players in the country, will be short, uh, uh, squaring off. You got Madden Greenway at Providence, and uh, Olivia Olson at Benilde St. Margaret's. So there's so much going on out there right now. Football's in the rearview mirror. It's all about winter sports right now. I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not a I'm not a reporter specialist. I, I don't focus on one sport. We're multi-sport reporters, and and I'm looking forward to getting into the winter. All right. Well, I think that's about it for this post-prep bowl edition of uh, Talking Preps. I appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. And we are out. I probably should do a better job of saying we'll start reviewing